G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And on a Tuesday, we do like to get an update on breaking news as it affects the nation of Israel and news that's breaking in the broader Middle East. Ron Ross is back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, a little bit of a focus overnight on the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his wife Sarah, who are visiting the United States at the moment, and a warm welcome in Washington. Yes, amid controversy at home, the Netanyahu's received a very warm White House welcome. U.S. President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania welcomed Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his wife Sarah at the White House yesterday. Trump said before the meeting with the Prime Minister that he would like to come to Jerusalem to mark the move of the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv, an event scheduled to coincide with Israel's 70th independence anniversary. We're looking at coming, Trump said. If I can, I will. Trump welcomed Netanyahu warmly into the Oval Office, and both men said that the ties between the countries had never been stronger. The relationship has never been better, Trump said. Trump said that the U.S. was serious about its peace plan, but gave no time to when it would unveil. U.S. President, when asked what would be if the Palestinians did not come back to the table, abruptly said, if they don't come back, there won't be peace. Netanyahu thanked Trump for moving the embassy, saying that in the annals of Jewish history, he will be remembered along with those such as Persian King Cyrus the Great, Lord Balfour from the Balfour Declaration, and U.S. President Harry Truman, who was the first U.S. president to recognize Israel. This will be remembered by our people through the ages. Others talked about it. You did it, Netanyahu said. Certainly big compliments uh, when you start to get compared with uh, those figures of history. Uh, Let's continue on this issue with the U.S. Embassy being moved to Jerusalem. Now the Guatemala president has announced that their embassy is also moving to Jerusalem just two weeks after the USA. Yeah, the annual policy conference of the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, AIPAC, kicked off to much fanfare, with the highlight for many being Guatemalan President Jimmy Morales, who confirmed that his country's embassy will be moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem on May 16, approximately two days after the United States. Not surprisingly, Guatemala's leader received a warm reception from the 18,000-strong crowd after he announced that he would follow Washington's lead. I would like to thank President Trump for paving the way. His courageous decision has encouraged us to do what is right, Morales said. Uh, Also headlining the event first day were Israel leader of the opposition, Avi Gabi, Benjamin Netanyahu, who was scheduled to speak after he met with... uh, uh, Donald Trump, and uh, it looks like a fun fest at the uh, APEC meeting. 
And Ron, the tensions between Israel and the Palestinians, always worthy of comment. Now, Israel has made an accusation that Hamas has been stealing electricity from Gaza's hospitals and schools. Yeah, a video showing Hamas operatives stealing electricity from a grid that services public institutions in the Gaza Strip was posted to Facebook by the head of the Israel military body, Kogat, responsible for implementing Jerusalem's civilian policies in the Palestinian territory. Major General Mordecai slammed the terror group for continuing to steal from Gaza residents, which he said was the result of Hamas not being interested in the population and even oppressing them. The electricity line in question was intended to power hospitals and schools in the city of Khan Yunus in southern Gaza. However, Mordecai claimed that Hamas was pirating the resources to redirect it towards terror. While both Israel and Hamas have made clear their current desire to prevent the outbreak of another round of fighting, the ongoing fuel crisis in which Gazans have about four hours of electricity a day has led to concern among senior Israeli military officials that the terror group could instigate a conflict to deflect attention away from its internal failings. The issue is a divisive one, with some advocating that Israel has a moral obligation to do more to help the Gazans, where others place the blame squarely on the shoulders of Hamas. Ron, let's draw some attention to the British royal family in Israel. Normally, you're not talking about them because the British don't typically visit Israel. But now Prince William, he's going to visit Israel this year, the first official visit by a British royal. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I didn't realise that. While royals have travelled to Israel in the past, no member of the British monarchy has ever visited on an official tour. The official visit will be the first in Israel's almost 70 years' existence, during which time nearly every other country in the world has been visited by a representative of the Crown. The Duke of Cambridge will visit Israel, Jordan and the occupied Palestinian territories in the summer, Kensington Palace has announced. The visit is at the request of Her Majesty's Government and has been welcomed by Israeli, Jordanian and Palestinian authorities. The Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, hailed the announcement of the upcoming trip by the second in line to the British throne. He said this is an historic visit, the first of its kind, and he will be welcomed here with great affection. I have ordered the Foreign Ministry Director-General to coordinate preparations for the visit to ensure its success. Others have visited, but it's primarily been for funerals and not a state occasion. Ron, let's talk about the Bible and Jews and Christians because Christians often get sort of a cold shoulder when it comes to the Jews. But for the first time ever, Jews and Christians are going to meet for Bible study at the Knesset, the Israeli parliament. And this is very interesting because the rabbis are declaring this first time Bible study in Israel is a fulfillment of Scripture. In an historic move, Christians joined with Israeli Jews in the Knesset, the parliament, to study the word of God. And they've called this a significant step toward unity. Rabbi and Knesset member Yehuda Glick hosted the study. 200 Jews and Christians attended the event, co-sponsored by the Knesset Caucus for the Encouragement of Bible Study, the Schindler Society, and Israel 365. 
And the scripture that they quoted was, And now my head will be lifted upon all my enemies, and I shall therefore offer in his temple sacrifices of joy. I shall sing and give praise to the Lord, Psalm 27. It's exciting to see how the words of the prophets are really coming about, uh, Rabbi Glick told CBN News. We have people from all over the world who have come to study Bible from Jerusalem, exactly as Isaiah said the word of God would go out from Jerusalem. Rabbi Weiss, founder of Israel 365, said this is the first time Jews and non-Jews came together at the Knesset to study the Bible together. It's amazing. The Bible that has been a source of division between Christians and Jews throughout a long history is now the source of unity between our people. Weiss believes it's biblically significant the event took place in Jerusalem. He said, well, the verse in Isaiah says that from Zion shall come forth the Torah, and it says that in the end of days all the nations are going to come screaming up to Jerusalem, and they're going to say, teach us the Torah. And he said, that's exactly what's happening here today. And Ron, just on a personal reflective note here, when they come together to study the Bible at the Knesset, the Israeli parliament, we'll assume that they're studying only the Old Testament, because this is the crossover, isn't it, between Jews and Christians, is that we both would say that the Old Testament is part of our holy scriptures. Uh, They'd be studying more Old Testament than, I imagine, the New Yes, and I would hope that some of the Christian leaders would be able to reveal to these uh, uh, Bible study uh, people at the Knesset uh, where Jesus is revealed in the Old Testament, and he is quite regularly. Ron, let's talk about the idea of praying for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel because the national religious broadcasters have resolved to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel in the lead-up to the 70th anniversary. Yeah, and this has come out of their headquarters, uh, which is based in the United States. And they quoted uh, Genesis 12, 2. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Members of the NRB last week announced a resolution in celebration of the 70th anniversary of Israel's independence in the modern era, calling on its members to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all of Israel. The resolution also called on the United States to honor Jerusalem as Israel's capital and to stand steadfastly by Israel, even as others malign and attack her. Christians are instructed, they said, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem based on Psalm 122, verses 6 to 9. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be at peace. May there be well-being within your ramparts. Peace in your citadels. For the sake of my kin and friends, I pray for your well-being. For the sake of the house of Hashem, our God, I seek your good. The announcement was made at a special session on March the 1st at the NRB's largest annual event, its International Christian Media Convention, Proclaim 18. And Ron, before I let you go, one last headline, and it has to do with the Dead Sea Scrolls, one of the most significant archaeological discoveries in the past century. The newly deciphered Qumran scroll that uh, these experts have been working on has been revealed to be the scroll of Esther. Isn't this amazing? Uh, Last Thursday and Friday, Israel celebrated Purim, which is a celebration based on the Book of Esther. Nearly half a century ago, 
archaeologists found a scroll in the Qumran caves that was unreadable as a result of 2,000-year-old wine. I said wine. Due to the extensive staining, the scroll could not be opened or read. Curators stored it away in the archives, hoping that new technology might one day emerge to make the scroll legible. Two such technological breakthroughs have been discovered, just moments apart, have finally made reading this ancient wine-soaked parchment possible. A team of archaeologists and chemists at the Technion in Haifa discovered that the wine could be extracted from the parchment using a highly delicate process known as a little bit of salsa. At the same time, researchers in the University of Barkamtsa Center for Torah Studies looked at recent scientific research. When the two teams combined their methods and applied them to this unreadable skull, they were ecstatic to discover that it was a small piece of the Book of Esther. At nearly 2,000 years old, this scroll is the earliest known textual witness for the Book of Esther. The first fragment from the beginning of the book matches remarkably well with the text, thus serving as the earliest witness for this part of the book. It was very interesting that beside the scroll, they found a jug, and from that jug they were able to uh, understand and discover uh, that the celebration of Purim we have today, where there's much partying and much joy, was going on in Qumran thousands of years ago. Well, Ron, so many of our listeners will recognise the value of bringing these headlines to us each week and uh, always do appreciate your capacity to be able to uh, rein in those headlines and bring them to us in such a concise and balanced and uh, deeper way. Uh, certainly appreciate you and uh, thank you so much for sharing these headlines with us once again today on 2020. We live in amazing times. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.